Hey, podcast family. Did you know that on May 2nd and 3rd, 2024, our 3D Growth Summit is happening in Nashville, Tennessee? But in-person tickets are already sold out with nearly 400 attendees. But you don't have to miss out. You can get exclusive access to our live stream and post-event recordings for just $395. Yes, you heard that right. For a single fee, you and your entire dental team can learn from our industry leaders with online recordings available after the event. So secure your spot now before it's too late by visiting www.3d-dentist.com slash 3D Summit or give us a call at 855-332-2285 and get your tickets for the live stream and event recording today. Now, let's get to this week's episode. All right, sitting here with Christian Yates. How are you doing, Christian? Doing great. Um, great uh, to be with you. It's a Sunday morning. Shouldn't you have better things to do? Um... Probably I should. (laughs) You know, I've known your name uh, for 20 years now. Uh, Actually, in fact, I didn't like you um, because uh, when we worked for ADP, uh, they would always use you and Joe as the uh, the examples, examples. <laughs> and, and you know they'd send out that sheet of of how the all the offices are doing and oh I remember you, that your your off, your guys' office and and in my mind I was like they're, they're cheating patients they're scamming something because I'm, I'm a relatively competitive person and I'm like dude I'm not even doing half those numbers right and I'm like this they've got to be doing something wrong so I had in my mind that that you're that you're a bad person. And uh, so, so uh, until a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of months ago, you're a bad person. Really? You know, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat kidding with you. No, but no, but I, I was always jealous a little bit. And now I'm here at your office, and I'm still pretty jealous a little oh, bit. Oh, come on. Come you on. Know. So listen, I, I want to kind of get into it. Uh, so what, what's your story? Like, give us a brief uh, story on, on who Christian Yeast is. Well, I think the easiest thing is just, I'm, I'm just a normal guy, yeah. you know? And... Um, I moved down to North Carolina from Michigan after I got out of dental school, did two years of residency, fell in love with North Carolina, and my wife and I decided we wanted to raise our kids here, and this is where we wanted to be, and I was managed to bring all my family to North Carolina over the 10-year span. Um, I started practicing dentistry with, like you said, with a HMO practice, a big group practice out of Raleigh is mm-hmm. where Dr. Lee was at, and that's how I got my feet wet. And I had some great coaches and mentors in the very beginning. I was super fortunate because I am the kind of person, I'm not, I tell this to my kids too, I'm not, I'm not the smartest guy. I'm not the, I wasn't the smartest dental student. I was at the bottom of the class the first two years. Uh, this thing I that saved me. I was bottom of the class all four years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I struggled with didactics. I struggled with that stuff. But I had a lot of passion for the, the, the part that uh, that we get to do where we interact with people and we get to use our hands and create things. The art. And the art part really turned me on. So the second two years were easy because I got to go into clinicals, I got to interact with patients, I got to build things, I got to, you know, all that sort of stuff. So I, I think I raised myself somewhere in the middle, but I don't know, who cares? <laughs> uh, long story short, I, 
I, I decided uh, when I, my, one of my good friends, I've known him since we were in the eighth grade, uh, Joe Hafanda, we'd gone to dental school together. We were planning on doing a practice in Michigan, and after residency, I said, listen, let's, why don't you come down here? And we could still, we could still work together. We're almost complete opposites, so we complement each other very well when it comes to our personalities. And honestly, I wanted somebody, I didn't want to do it alone. I didn't want to go it alone. I didn't have enough, I guess, courage to just jump out and, like, fail. So I needed somebody to jump in the pool with me and hold my hand, and Joe was that guy. And uh, so we started our practice that we're currently in right now in, I think, 99. We opened the practice doors in August of 2001, and the next month, the uh, planes hit the towers. And, And I thought, what? The heck have we done here? So I uh, opened in uh, July of two thousand one. So we were in the same. Yeah. We were in the same same boat. It was like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to our our world here? And uh, but we, you know, we managed to get through that, and we started very small. We we uh, because of the some of the not so great uh, things that I saw working for an HMO. I was determined to be a fee for service practice, and we did really dumb stuff like didn't accept any insurance mm-hmm. didn't file insurance all this crazy stuff yeah, i think we're like i literally think we're doubles you know? now because I, my first year was cash only yeah it's like uh you can pay me with that green stuff that comes out of your wallet yeah. uh and because of this and all the gurus would tell you yeah, insurance is bad you've got to be fee for service or you can't do good dentistry right and that's literally what they would say to us in, yep. in 2000 and and but then you talk to the guys that were doing insurance and they felt trapped. Yeah. But, you know, they didn't know what. So I knew if we were going to do this, we had to do, we were going to have to wait, find a way to get people to know who we were because we weren't going to be on any lists. So that's when my journey into marketing started. And I, I went to the School of Hard Knocks of Marketing and looked for people that could help me with that and worked outside of dentistry to find those people and learn uh, some things. Did a lot of reading and audio books and mm-hmm. all kinds of things like that. But we managed to, over about a course of about seven years, grow the practice. It was a cosmetic practice. That's what I wanted to do. My partner was just determined that we were going to have this spa type of um, practice. And that's we, we, we went out and, and did that. And it worked real well until... 2008. Yeah. And then, oh my gosh, did, did it hit the fan hard. And not only that, but we'd been... We had not been managing our business well. We had done great dentistry. We had, you know, great reputation with our patients, but we hadn't managed our practice well. And the people that were working for us, some of them were really uh, toxic, and we ignored it. We we just let that be. Because you got into your operatory out of sight, out of mind. Right. And and honestly, I'm not a good manager. I I, I learned that along the way too. I don't manage people well. Um, so. That happened, and we knew we had to do something different. We decided, let's open up that our practice to more than just doing cosmetics. Yeah. And um, that really helped us out of that hole. And you're it, still fee-for-service? We, we, we were still fee-for-service, and we really we kind of are right now. The one thing we do differently now is we accept, we do accept assignment, but okay. we have not, uh, and I would challenge almost any dentistry if we could all do it this way i think the world would be a better place but we didn't we never signed the line i never shook hands with the dental insurance company so you're not in network i'm not in network network. i I tried really hard not to do that and so far we've been able to but i'm not going to lie to you it's not easy 
It's yeah. not. You really have to market yourself. The money that I don't spend or that I don't lose through being in network, I spend marketing. Yeah. So it's really just an exchange of but dollars. But the, the benefit there is that you get to pick and choose what type of patients you see because through your marketing, you can target the types of dentistry you want to do for the most part. It's true. Um, but sometimes it's feast or famine. So yeah. there, are, there have been, we've consistently grown our practice, but there's definitely been bumps in the road. It's something that, it's probably not for everybody. It's not a steady line. Mm-hmm. It's a, a lot of ups and downs, and um, it's, it's a lot of throwing stuff up the wall, up against the wall, seeing what sticks and what doesn't, and going, okay, this works, and then that works for a while, and we ride that wave, and then that wave crashes into the seashore, and we have to find another wave. So there's, uh, it's not for everybody. Would you but, do it differently? No. I think I would probably do the same. I'd do it the same way when it comes to insurance companies, but I would definitely handle my team differently. So what happened at at seven years is not only did we have financial crisis, but our entire team, we lost our entire team. Some of them we fired. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tony told us, you know, do not keep these people around. They're not going to help you. And then they managed to infect some other ones and then other ones it just wasn't a good fit anymore and so we started building a new team and uh, I started to learn more about how to be nice to people the other thing that was really helpful is I stopped drinking so I was an alcoholic and I still am Um, I don't drink I've been dry for seven years now almost eight and that made a difference in my life too so I had to give up some things in a lifestyle that I was pretty much used to doing whatever I want and money was just pouring in and buying super fancy cars and you know we've had the Porsches and all that sort of thing and and then I had to go okay what's really important to me and when I stopped drinking I started figuring that out so I want to interrupt you for a second okay Uh, because I I want to um, I want to emphasize two points okay Uh, point number one is from an outside, it's very easily easy in dentistry, and especially in today's social media age, for us to look at somebody and say, oh my God, this person has it together. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm referring back to your, your drinking times. Yeah. And what we don't know is what's really happening. Oh, yeah. What's really happening maybe inside the practice, what's really happening inside their homes, what's really, what kind of life a person really is leading, right? Right. And I think um, so often I'm guilty of this, and I know other dentists are guilty of it, is that we look at what other people are doing and we say, I need to be that, or I need to be that, or I need to do this, or if I could only be that person. Right. And sometimes it doesn't fit who we are. Uh, so I, I think it's important for people to hear. And thank you for sharing that. Uh, for other people to hear that we don't always have it together. Oh no! Uh, and uh, <laughs> well, we, we believe we, we we all believe everybody has it better than us. The grass yeah. is always greener, right? And the second emphasis I wanted to make was that you're saying to me and to everyone listening is that you wouldn't do the insurance thing necessarily different, but you you would do how you treated people differently. I would work much harder at developing a culture yeah. in my practice and and finding people that wanted to make that journey with me before I really looked at my team as a means to an end. You know, you say you said uh, a few minutes ago that you're not a good manager. 
And I, I would say that maybe is true. I don't, I don't know, okay? But maybe that's true in the traditional sense of managing people. Mm-hmm. But what you just said was so important is that, and, and this is what I, I, I try to emphasize on the young dentists I work with, is create the person, I call it the personality of your practice. Mm-hmm. You know, figure out who you are, what you want to be, what you want to be surrounded with, you know, have conversations with team members. I, look, I, I look at everything very simplistically. I think managing people is pretty si- relatively simple. You just got to understand what makes them tick. Right. You got to talk to them. You got to engage with them. You got to know who their who their spouse is, who their uh, you know significant other is, who their kids are, what's going on in their life, what troubles you know maybe their kids are having trouble because that affects day to day work. And then you got to be there for them. Right. And I think when you engage with people at that level. They are there. They become soldiers for you. Absolutely, their loyalty goes through the roof. The other thing that became very important to us during that transition was, and this is something that Tony had shared with me, is like you said, you got to figure out who you are. Yeah. And you got to figure out what you want to be. When I was drinking, it was too cloudy. When I stopped and my mind cleared, it, I was able to listen to these people and they, you know, what they were trying to put into me, my my life. But I took their advice, and Joe and I developed, not only did we develop our, we went back and recreated our mission statement and our vision statement, and we decided what kind of values, like what are our core values. We really got visceral with this. I mean, we broke it down to the the smallest thing. And that was super important because then all of a sudden we knew who we were, and we could share that with the people that would come in and interview. Like, this is who we are. If you think that this is a good fit for you, then we might be able to work together. And, and it's funny because people will come in and they'll go, it's not going to be a good fit. Yeah. And I'm Perfect. Like, yeah. I mean, it's so Wonderful. much easier to figure that out yeah. in the first two weeks than it is, you know, three years down the road. Are you confused by all the implant messaging out there? Are you worried about which implant to choose, what kit to choose, what tie base to use, when to use what, when to send it to the lab, when to mill with your CEREC machine, when to print guides, when to mill guides, when all of these things happen? You're not alone. It's getting noisier and noisier out there today. And what you need is a simple solution with a consistent workflow that simply works. At 3D Dentist, we teach how to do digital implant dentistry, leveraging your CEREC technology and leveraging your cone beam technology in a proven workflow that is efficient, predictable, and profitable. You owe it to yourself to take one of our workshops by visiting 3D Dentist at www.3d-dentist.com and learn more about what we're teaching. I look forward to seeing you at one of our workshops. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, so you, you just said, okay, so there's, uh, so to kind of frame this, I've got three things I want to talk about, okay? Um, one I told you about, which was I want to talk about the marketing. Right. You know, some high level, not very specific, you know, not in the weeds necessarily, but good high level stuff. Sure. With some actionable steps there. And then uh, you you said something to me earlier that that you wanted to go over the some of the Ten Commandments with somebody yeah. at the practice. I, I'd like to, if you don't mind, maybe hear a little bit about that. And then you just said something about talking to a new team member about the core values. 
Yeah. So, so let's let's start with those things. Let's get that out of the way first. Well, you, I know the listeners want to hear the marketing stuff, but listen, I was just having a conversation with the dentist on the way down here, who was talking about how they need to market, 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 and I'm like, sure, but the problem is, is you're not doing a good job of diagnosing and and and, and connecting with your patients. Right. So what good is it going to be? What good is it going to do to bring in more patients that you're just going to not connect with? You know, and, and I think uh, I, I think 80 percent of the practices that do marketing aren't ready to market. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, podcast family. T-Bone here to talk about the 3D Dentist Digital Implant Continuum. Are you ready to start placing dental implants but feeling a bit hesitant and or overwhelmed? I know that feeling. I've been there. Let's change that together. Imagine not just learning about dental implants in a classroom, but actually performing surgeries on real patients right here in North Carolina, guided every step of the way by our expert 3D mentors. This is dental implant learning at its best, using techniques that are safe, predictable, and confidence-boosting. They're exactly what I use in my own practice, so you know they work. Our course goes beyond clinical skills. We prepare you to successfully integrate high-demand implant services into your practice, transforming your career by attracting new patients and elevating your practice. And it doesn't end with the course. Completing our program is just the beginning of a new journey. You'll be a part of a community of confident, skilled dentists with ongoing support to ensure lasting success and growth. After all, this is about mastering a skill that can transform your career just like it did for me. So, are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Visit www.3d-dentist.com, check out our upcoming sessions, and join us to revolutionize your practice. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now, let's get back to this week's episode. Uh, I couldn't agree more with you on that. It's not, I'm not even saying the market's right or wrong. I'm just saying they're not ready to bring in more patients. They have systemic issues in their practice. It, it doesn't make the sense to spend a dime on marketing if you haven't gotten your internal structure. And like all the things we were just talking mm-hmm. about, like who are you? Yeah. What message? If you, don't, if you don't refine your message and you don't know what it is that, that you want people to know about you and you don't have a story to tell, nobody's going to be interested. There's just too much noise out there. These... We are bombarded every day by so much crap with social media and, and advertising and marketing. Yeah. And the only things we're really going to listen to are the things that resonate with us that, that are interesting. And I was just listening. i, I got to tell you, there's this book. I'm recommending it because I'm doing a mentoring program with several mm-hmm. millennial dentists in, in our area, too. And uh, we've, i I known about this book for a while, and I hadn't read it, and I just started reading it. It's amazing. And I'm trying to remember the name of it. Before we're done here, mm-hmm. I'll pull it up. I just started, got the audio book. But there are several steps you have to take with yourself and your product or your service that you need to know before you put all that together and hire somebody to go out there and do this or spend, you know, thousands, thousands. of dollars. And it's and so by the way, easy. When you spend thousands oh. of dollars, you've got to produce 4X just to break even. Oh, yeah. I mean, just to break even. If you're not doing about 10 times your ROI on your marketing, then you're really not in that sweet spot. You're really spinning. You're, you're spinning your wheels, and I know because I spin. I've spun my wheels, and I. We still spin. Our I wheels. still spin. Because so we experiment, it's right? a, yeah, it's a matter of learning as time goes on. Um, I'll be happy to go over. These are 
it's actually 12 things that I went over with um, some younger dentists uh, and one in particular. I developed this a, a few while back because I wanted him to know how to stay out of trouble, like how to kind of get a, uh, a jump on his career in dentistry. And the first thing by far was to be teachable and coachable. If you know everything already, then you're stuck. You're done. You have to realize there are so many other people out there that have done there, that have been that, that have so much more wisdom than you do. And I constantly am surprised at how much I don't know. Like, the more we learn, the more we're like, there's, there's so much more out there. So that's key is coachable and teachable. Uh, for me, it was important to look out for things that are fake. So there's a lot of stuff that we don't, there's a, there's not just people, but there's a lot of fakeness that we're bombarded with. And I'll just use dental products report and make them the evil, mm -hmm. even though they're not, but there's stuff in there that you got to realize the article was written to get you to buy. It's paid for the ad that's right next to it. Right. And honestly, it took me a while to figure that out. <laughs> Come on, but, <laughs> you're a smart guy. No, I'm not. I told you I'm not smart. Uh, you know, it, it, be ready to be to, to look at things a little bit more closely. You got to be a little bit cynical. You do, and and that was. Uh, I wouldn't say that. I I, I don't. I, I tend to like just give people the benefit of the doubt, especially if somebody comes in the practice and they've got something to hawk. It's kind of like, well, what is this? It must be great. Well. You know, you have to look at things carefully. So uh, the other thing would be to stay humble. As soon as you start getting proud of yourself, and I'm a great example of this because, like, when 2008 came along, Joe and I were crushing it. I mean, there was a day I said, I remember as clear as day, if I have to do one more veneer, I'm going to, like, slip my wrists. And I, and I look back and I go, what the heck was I saying? I mean, we were doing so much cosmetic dentistry, it was just pouring in. And I took it for granted. I'm like, yeah. I don't need you guys. I just, you know, patients are going to come here no matter what because we're killing it with our marketing. We have a great, you know, what we're telling people. And we're able to do great dentistry. And they tell all their friends. And that was really not true. I mean, that was my in my imagination. It was just, you know, it was where I was at. But... Um, I got real proud, and I hit the floor. I mean, we're only as good. We're only good until somebody figures out how to do it better and faster than us. Right. And in and marketing, at least that, that that all someone has to do is throw enough money and get a little lucky. Yeah. And, it's and, you know. it's if you don't stay humble and you don't stay coachable and teachable, then you run into problems. Uh, speaking from personal experience, uh, the other thing I found is really important for me personally is to give back and to try to be generous. And it's hard. I'm a selfish person. I want to keep everything myself. My natural instinct is selfishness. And so I have to intentionally be generous. And so I've found, though, that when I do, that I feel so much better about myself. And, and you get more. It, you cannot outgive. I mean, yeah. we now, um, and I don't really share this with a lot of people, but every year I try to take a at least one, maybe more. And um, hopefully no patients are listening to this, but I, people come to me and we, we find somebody and we, we give away. Yeah. We give away a lot. Like um, last year we had somebody that needed, there was no other way this person was ever going to have teeth. And, um, and he's 
speaks for a living, and he's he's a, actually a pastor. And um, I just said, we're going to take care of this. And it was a huge case. It was an all-on-four case, or all in his case, all-on... 20. Tw- yeah. <laughs> and so there was a lot of expense there. But at the end of the day, uh, I feel great about it. He was blessed by it. I'm blessed by it. My team was uh, had a great time doing it. So it was just a good thing to do. You know, one of my favorite days of the year is when we do free dentistry for our community. Mm-hmm. Uh, once a, one, it used to be once or twice. Now it's pretty much once a year. Um, we open up our office and we just do whatever shows up. Yeah. And it's it's a, it's a great day. And you know how I knew it was a great day is when patients were volunteering to come help. Yeah. You know, and local businesses like, hey, can I cook? Can we send over like the Dunkin' Donuts? I mean, Dunkin' Donuts is a franchise, but they're owned by local people ultimately, right? Right. And he's like, hey, can I send over five dozen donuts? For, for your people that you help them. I'm like, of course. You know, and then my implant rep uh, would want to say, hey, I'm going to bring my barbecue cooker over and we're going to cook pigs for everybody and have everybody can have lunch. Yeah. You know, and that's when you know that uh, our community is thirsting for it. Yeah. You know. It doesn't happen enough. I learned it from a, a dentist. I really got started with that mindset probably in the dentist, in dentistry. Uh, through John Phillips, who's a friend of mine uh, down in Oklahoma, who did Give Back a Smile, or, or um, there's a program, Sharing a Den- Smile, or yeah, something like that. And, and it's it's there's a lot of dentists that do it around the country, and we, my wife and I, flew down there with one of our team members, and I was blown away. And I did it out of his office, but I told him like, I I am so exhausted today, but I'm like totally energized. High. Oh, you're on a it high. was it was amazing. It's like after you go running. Well, not that I know much about running. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but, you know, you're exhausted, but there's a high. There's literally an endorphin release that happens when you're giving back, and it yeah. gives you a sense of purpose uh, for all the stuff that you do. Well, I've told this to my son. Um, I don't care what he does. He's, he's, out, of college, he's, he's out of high school, and he's, this was his first year out of, uh, out of high school. And um, I said, you know, I don't care what you do, but make sure you find a industry or a profession where you can serve people because that's really what, at the end of the day, that's what makes us feel like we've actually accomplished something is when we're serving other people. And to get paid for it is amazing, but it is important to give back. And we're in a position as dentists, we're so much farther ahead of the curve than so many other people. I mean, we have so much more and it only takes a couple of trips down uh, I've been to Africa twice and a couple other places. You go on a couple of mission trips like that, and you very quickly learn that we in the United States have it so much better. You know, I would, I, I'll make an argument to you, Christian, on this, uh, on two points. And then I want to keep going back to the commandments here. Um, one is um, <clears throat> I think we need to, to do more giving to our community that made us successful. Agreed. Not necessarily... Not that I'm against Africa, India, right. where I'm from, but there are plenty of people in the 10 oh, to 12 mile radius. Like we're in the very, we're probably in one of the nicest parts of Charlotte, North Carolina right now. And I bet you money in this 10 to 12 mile radius, there are plenty of people that can't afford oh, yeah. the dentistry. Now, I'm not even talking about fancy. I'm just talking about taking out teeth. Yeah, you know, and, and it's a simple, not even a real cleaning, but just a, you know, knock the knock the big stuff off type of cleaning. And 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 the second part I'll say is. <clears throat> I don't think this is a choice for us as a profession. And here's why I say it, is that if we don't, as a profession, intervene and make some of these access to care problems go away, 
somebody else will. Mm -hmm. And we will not like the result. And we're starting to see it with uh, corporations, we're starting to see it with government intervention and things like that, and insurance companies, and, and you know, not to get onto politics, but oftentimes they bring, they, they infiltrate with the guise of access to care and things like that. So our profession is in control of our destiny, but we, we've got to get our heads out of the sand a little bit. Agreed, 100%. Um, you know, it's, it, and it's as easy as if somebody wants to get started, my team knows that they've got $200 a day, each yeah. one of them, that they can give away if they want. And they don't do it, but if somebody calls and says, my tooth's infected and I'm swollen out to here, I don't care. You, that person's coming here. And as dentists, we should never turn away anybody that doesn't have money that's in a, that's in a predict predicament where they're gonna end up in the hospital if we don't do something, ever. I know a friend of mine who's an oral surgeon taught me that, he's like, if you have somebody that's infected and you can't take care of it, you send them over to my practice, I'll get out of bed if I have to and, and take care of that person. I want to repeat what you just said because it was powerful to me, is that you authorize or empower mm -hmm. your team members to make decisions to give away dentistry to help the community. Yeah, we, we have found that that's, it's, a, it's a great thing to be able to do. And it's not a lot. And sometimes, you know, and most and, people that and are 90 in that. 90% of the time you don't use it. Yeah, and most people are not in situations where they expect it or whatever. But it's nice because the team is empowered, and that's one of our core values is empowerment, is to uh, allow them to make that decision. And then they have, feel like they have control, too, and then it gives them more buy-in. They feel like they're more part of this practice, like it's theirs, too. It's not just... Dr. Joe and Dr. Yates. You know, I, I've empowered my team, but I haven't empowered them so formally like that on that particular thing. Uh, I'm going to do this when I get back. You know, my, my team knows that if I, they want me to see somebody, I'll see them, whether they pay or don't pay. Half the time, I don't know if somebody pays, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> so, so, you and me are both in the same boat there. <laughs> you know, so, um, but I think I should make it a priority for us, for them when they're out somewhere, to actively tell people that we'll be happy to take care of that for you. Yeah, you it know? usually pops up in a... It's mainly extractions that you're going to be doing anyway. That and That's then, probably the best thing we can do for our community is, is take out teeth that are infected. Absolutely. Um, we see people too, though, even in our hygiene department, where um, they really want to get, you know, a, a bottle of OxyFresh or they really want yeah. this or that, but, you know, it's just not... It's just not something they think that they can go home with and that they don't want their husband to be upset or whatever. And the team knows, like, hey, this one's on the on us. You know, it's really nice to be able to do that. And people appreciate it. People are, they'll be your, you know. Wait, Christian, you your, mean you have patients that can't afford the, all the dentistry you want to do for them? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> all right. Um, okay, so moving on. The uh, Oh, this is a big one. I feel like reading or... It may not even be reading. It may just be absorbing things through audio. Um, but turning off the TV for me was huge. And even now I say that, and at the time I did that, I literally took a hiatus from television and movies for probably six months. And now, you know, I'll occasionally binge watch something on mm -hmm. Netflix or something like but that. That's different. Well, it's, it is. Uh, I, I, but but even what I found works the best is just again being intentional with your time, and saying, okay, I'm going to take an hour a day and I'm just going to read, or on the way to work, I'm going to listen to this book, or 
whatever. And it doesn't even have to be about dentistry. It's just allowing your body to soak something in that isn't coming through entertainment, you know, social media or whatever. It's just, it's knowledge. You so, know what just popped into, my, popped into my head? If you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah. And I think we're not using our brains. Yeah. You know, I just, uh, I, I cord cut two years ago. I got rid of TV in our house. And we still have TV because I got young kids, so we can do it, but it's, it's, not, it's not the same. It's not, um, I no longer listen to Fox News. I no longer listen to MSNBC. I no longer listen to CNN. I, I, now I selectively choose what, you're gonna what, I'm gonna, what I'm gonna watch. And sometimes, yeah, it's a binge on Netflix for eight hours one yeah. night, right? <laughs> you know, uh, but, but I've selectively chosen it. I didn't get droned. Right. into sitting in front of Bill O'Reilly on Fox News and next thing you know it's midnight and I'm listening to five people say the same thing over and over again yeah. and infecting my mind, uh, not politically here, but just infecting my mind and not letting me think for myself. And we just get hypnotized by yeah. it. You know, you come home, you're tired, you sit down, you have dinner and then you're hypnotized for the yeah. next two hours or what could turn into three or four hours. Whereas if you say, okay, I'll go ahead and, but I'm going to turn it off. I'm going to turn it off and I'm going to do this. And if you have a, if you have to set some time aside to read and if that, maybe that's first thing in the morning, uh, I used to do this thing called my power hour. I'd get up early, an hour early and I would try to do some things in that my, hour. I have my know? power half an hour. Your power half an hour, power 10 minutes, whatever it is. It's, it's every morning on the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> you got to start somewhere, right? I mean, I think if you're confused about how to grow your practice, then you need to hear the rest of this message. Listen, the ways of the 1980s and the 1990s simply do not work anymore. You have to be different. And the way to be different in today's competitive environment is not doing more of the same thing that everybody else is doing, but adding new services to your practice. If you're looking for a solution that's logical, practical, and full of business tips to how to implement strategies into your practice to add new services, then you need to look at my company, 3D Dentists. We provide fantastic training that will help you grow your practice by adding new services to your existing patient base. If you want to learn more, all you got to do is visit www.3d-dentists.com and look around and see what's right for you. If you have any questions, don't ever hesitate to reach out to me. Now, let's get back to our show. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, podcast family. T-Bone here, bringing you our newest live patient implant training, Full Arch Express. For dentists already placing implants and ready to level up and continue building their implant practice, this is the golden ticket. We're diving deep into Full Arch Implants, the hottest game changer in implant dentistry. In this program, we tackle both overdentures and all annex fixed hybrids, mastering techniques that are essential for modern, comprehensive dental care. It's about getting your hands on the tools and techniques that will replace the doubt and fear with confidence and predictability. Here's the kicker. There's live patient training right here in North Carolina. You're not just learning theories. You're in the operatory doing real work on real patient from start to finish, guided one-on-one -on -one by our expert 3D mentors. You'll learn the nuances of each approach, ensuring you can cater to a wide range of patients to maximize revenue. Speaking of revenue, with me, you know it's not just about the clinical skills. We're bringing business into this aspect too, teaching you how to integrate these advanced services profitably into your practice. 
So are you ready to rise up to the top in implant dentistry? Join us at the Full Arch Express. This isn't just another course. It's a career-defining leap. Head to www.3d-dentist.com to enroll in our next session. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now, back to this week's episode. This one's pretty straightforward and makes a lot of sense to you and me and probably everybody at this point, but using loops uh, was something that I told the dentists that I was working with, like, just do it. I know it costs you, you know, two grand or whatever. Dude, but you can get on get, eBay for yeah. $80. It's a good starting point. Be- before before you couldn't get them as inexpensively, it was like, listen, it's worth the investment. Get a headlamp, get a set of loops, and make sure you're doing your best dentistry. In other words, have integrity when you do your dentistry and do it do it to your best ability. When I got, when I, let me back up. So I got loops my first year in dental school. Mm. Okay, so I, there were 2.0s or whatever. Um, and then I went to, then I upgraded to three twos or whatever they were. Now I'm at like four twos. Now, now they like stick out six yeah, inches so, in front of your face. But, <laughs> I, I, and you mentioned it, so I, I want to give you credit for that. But um, I think loops are one thing, but headlights. Yeah. Lighting is a massive. Like I would, there's parts of me that want to argue that lighting is more important than loops. Yeah. You know, to a certain degree. You know, and and so for us, we we mandate that our hygienists wear headlights and loops. Yeah. Uh, we're we've gotten one assistant has loops, and I want to start getting them for all my assistants. I wear headlights and loops, uh, obviously. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we found that uh, when we when we built our hygiene wing mm-hmm. uh, a few years ago. We decided we're not going to do overhead lights. We're just yeah. going to make them all wear headlights, and so all of our hygienists have that. And then I've, you know, I was down at the Hidman not too long ago, and I was down there scrounging through trying mm. to find out who's got some decent loops here yeah. that aren't too expensive because I would love my assistants to have yeah. loops too. I think that that's kind of where we're headed in yeah. in the future. I like to get them loops and headlights. Yeah, yeah super important. Um, so the next thing is basically to find a mentor uh, or mentors. And the ones that you find choosing a mentor or choosing mentors can be a little difficult too, but um, it's important to find people. You you brought this up a little earlier. There's so so much you don't know about people Mm -hmm. and you want to make sure that people are successful, you know, your mentor is successful in the areas where you want to be successful. So dentistry is important. You know, you want to maybe find a, a dentist, but it doesn't have to be a dentist. Maybe... You know, what's really important to you is just having a really close-knit family. That's super important. Work-life balance. Life balance. So find people that are really good at that. Or find multiple people. Right. And then try not to find people that are really good at one thing and terrible at all these other things yeah. because their lives can fall apart. And I've seen that in people that I had so much respect for and I looked up to them. And then within six months, they've collapsed and everything is gone. Or It's like a house of cards almost. Yeah. So... You know, a good track record, someone that's authentic and real and is really kind of good at what you want to be good at that. And you could have, I have mentors that are not dentists. I have mentors that are dentists. I have these people and I I count on them to pour into me so that I can then give that back to other people. You know, mentoring is a a little bit of a hot topic for me um, from this perspective. 
I too often I hear too often from people that it's hard to find a mentor. And what I say back to them, there's no yellow pages of Google search <laughs> where the mentors are listed. Yeah. You 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 create somebody to be your mentor and half the time they don't they don't want to be it. They don't know they want to do it, but they love it. Yeah. And uh you know, we often think of people that are outspokenly educators like myself for example. Um we think oh they can be a mentor but there's people like you that are unbelievable that purposely choose not to be a speaker per se right and and you're ready to be a mentor and you're happy to be a mentor with them and there's so many other dentists out there or people that want to be mentors they just don't know what mentoring is and mentoring isn't this process that okay you're going to be my mentor and I'm going to do this this and nobody's planned out this coursework Right. for mentorship, right? It's it's just kind of something that organically happens and you got to put yourself in a position for it to happen. I I tell people all the time, I say mentor nobody goes out and says, "Hey, I want to mentor you." Right. You know what happens is the opposite. People just show up and they keep showing up and it just naturally happens. Yeah. It, it if if we were you know, I I didn't know you had this this group that you were working with. I think it's awesome cuz we're like I said we're trying to create the same thing here in Charlotte. And it's important it's important for us to even in what I tell my my group is is there I'm just there to facilitate um, and I don't want to be their coach and I'm not there to give them you know financial mm -hmm. advice but a lot of the mentoring they do is within their own you know they just they people get, together yeah and they do it themselves you know this person has a problem with this and this person already figured it out and they interact back and forth sometimes it's just finding other people have the same problems and you kind of wallow together you know C connecting is really important yeah. and being able to network that's uh that's key and being open to it like you were saying like it it it, it best happens when it's just organic but you have to carve out the time to do it or to look for it and to listen and be quiet you know, a lot of times we're just so busy and we don't take the time to just be quiet and listen and try to like absorb what's happening around us. It's difficult to do in our in our world right now. So the other thing I'll, I'll say to people about men, mentees mm -hmm. is menteeing happens on doesn't happen on your terms. Right. You know, uh, it isn't. Hey, I'm available these days. Yeah. You know, I can come in on. It's, it's like I tell. Look, I, I'm a pretty frank person with people, and and I tell people, not because I want to be an ass or anything about it. I, I just want to be around. To me, it's very important for me to be around people that think like me and have the same values as me, and that are willing to work as hard as me. And I tell people, listen, I'm happy for you to come to my office. My day starts at seven o'clock. Show up or don't come. Right. My day ends at five o'clock. Not at four thirty. Okay, not a day, minute before that. Lunch is scheduled from one to four. I didn't say we take lunch from one. To, sorry, from twelve to one, one to two. I said it's scheduled from one to two. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. Right. You know, don't have your cell phone out in my operatory while we're working. You know, and 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 so I'm happy to mentor a lot of people, but unfortunately, I've been in a position where it's going to be under my rules, uh, and my rules are not there to create a problem. It's there because those are things that are important to me, and yeah. I want to be around people that value that. Right. And, and the right people um, do, yeah. and that's what I found is is that the people that are drawn into mentorship tend to be the type of people that 
eventually. If they're not, they figure it out pretty quick, and then you never see them again. Yeah, you know, like so. I had one guy says, I want you to help me. I'm like, oh, I'd love to help you. He goes, well, I'm off on Fridays. Can you do it? I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm off on Fridays, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, okay, find a mentor. Yeah, mentoring's important. Uh, try not to do everything at once. Uh, you and I were talking about this just a little earlier. It's hard to have long-term goals if you don't have short-term goals. Right. And if you're too impatient and you want to be, you know, too many times I've seen this where the dentist uh, gets out of school, and this is this goes all the way back to even when I was in school, and immediately I want to be able to do implants, and I want to be able to have this, and I want to do that, and I want to be able to use a laser, and I want to, well, it takes time. I mean, it takes 10 years really to figure out, like, what exactly do am I doing What does here? Malcolm Gladwell say? It's 10,000 hours? Yeah. I mean, it, it's not something that happens overnight. So be patient with yourself. Allow yourself to learn without the pressure of thinking like, oh, I've got to, you know, make a ton of money next year. Just let it happen and spend more time on what's important, not worrying about, oh, I'm just not, not going to be as successful as my comrade over here or this guy that graduated from dental school at the same you know, five years ago, he's already doing this or she's already doing that. Well, we know it's a house of cards, by the way. But. Right. And, 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 the, and to be okay with that and just say, you know what, that's okay for them. Uh, but I'm going to do it this way. And if you use some of the principles we're talking about, you'll be so much happier in the end anyway. You don't, you'll have less anxiety and you'll have, uh, you'll, it'll just happen. It just happens. So try not to do that key for me was to stay away from substance abuse and other addictive behaviors because I have a very addictive personality. So I tend to like, boop, get focused on this and then I can't do it. It's just like, it's either 100 miles an hour or it's nothing. So I've had to learn over time to give certain things up. So for me, it's not okay to go out and have a glass of wine with dinner. I just, you know, that's what I've learned with my personality and, and my tendencies. I have to give that up. For me, it's not okay to go gambling. So there you go. We each have our own demons that we have to deal with. I was addicted with. to gambling in dental school. Yeah. So, in, and if you continued that, you there's no way you'd be where you are right now. No chance. Listen, so. I was get I I knew it became a problem when I bet five thousand dollars on a baseball game. Yeah, that could potentially be a real problem, for especially in I, dental school. For teams, <laughs> I didn't even know who the hell they were. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could be a rush, and there's you know. And it's okay for some people, so it doesn't have to be alcohol. And maybe it's narcotics. I mean, I get nothing out of a hydrocodone, but you know, there are, I have patients that, and they'll scratch their eyes out for one. So you just have to be careful and stay away from the things that you know that are going to be potentially problems for you because that that'll ruin you. I mean, I came very close to that. I hey, hit the bottom. Experience. Absolutely. I mean. I, I wish I didn't have to go through that, but it was a, such a good lesson that I feel like there was, you know, I learned so much from that. And if I can pass that along, then uh, that's good. So uh, staying active, this is a part I struggle with. Uh, physically active exercise and eating right, you know, that's tough. It's, I struggle. Oh my God, do I struggle. It's, it's hard because we're so busy doing what we're doing all day long and it's go, go, go. 
And um, I just recently ended up losing 25 pounds because I was getting uncomfortable. My back was killing me. And I knew if I didn't, my chiropractor told me, like, all you got to do is lose 20 pounds and you'll be able to, your back won't hurt you anymore. But I've learned that uh, eating right or eating, basically not even eating right. So let's not go over, like, food groups and Mm -hmm. all that sort of thing because that's different for people too. Just being conscious. Consciously choosing and making decisions that will help you to stick around longer. So, you know, and and that, again, that goes into too, like not going after work to the bar every day and chugging, you know, two two pitchers of beer. That's, we all know that's not going to be good. So, um, you know, on on the um, health thing, you know, some of these things, what happened, what I, you know, you know, it's, it's like a therapy session. <laughs> I didn't mean it to be I, like I know, this. but that's okay. Um, you know, it's like the health thing, like it sticks to me because, you know, my listeners know and I know that health is a problem for me. And um, what's so weird is the reason I don't take care of myself is because I'm too busy right. trying to build something. But the truth is, is in 2012, I went through a... a time where I focused on myself and I lost 50 pounds and I achieved all my business goals because when I was healthy and when I was conscious and when I was feeling good all those things became easier yeah you know but yet I'm letting those things be the excuse of not getting my health in order that's interesting to put it that way uh and it's so true and I've seen that, too, because we all bounce around, too. My best days, like my best speaking events, my best days at the office are days where I do morning walks. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even talking about, listen, at the end of the day, I lost all that weight by being conscious about what I ate and going on a walk three to four times a week. Yeah. Not even exercising. Right. Just going on a walk. I think it's just more just, uh, like you're saying, being intentional about doing something yeah. and not just getting... And it teaches a discipline. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we won't spend too much time on that, right? Because <laughs> no, we both don't. we both need help with that. Uh, this one was uh, tough for me, and it uh, I constantly remind myself of this. So these things that I'm we're talking about, I wrote them really down for myself. I mean, I'm talking more to myself than I am really to anybody else. But treating people with respect, including yourself, is important. So respecting others, whether that's your team members or your patients or the rep that just walked mm-hmm. in if you're disrespectful it it doesn't do anybody any good and ultimately you people that don't respect others tend not to have respect for themselves and so if i respect myself then i will respect other people so you can go all kinds of different directions with that but i think it's something to keep in the back of our minds that it's important i wouldn't have you know i could draw timelines back to different things that have happened in my life, even this interview happening right now, meeting you, that if I didn't have respect for somebody or if I didn't allow this person in my life and, you know, from a networking standpoint, I would never have the opportunity for this or that to happen. So it's just, it's not okay to have uh, people that are genuinely trying to um, either put themselves in front of you or just, you know, the people that we work with every day to be disrespectful to them, so. You know, something happened to me. Like, I feel, I feel this need to put something in every time, but. No, I, lo- I love that. But, um, 
I was riding home with my wife. As I mentioned, we work in the same office together. She's a medical, she's a psychiatrist, medical practice. And we were riding home, and sure enough, I was complaining about something. I don't understand people. I don't understand why people think this way. I don't understand why people just don't do what I say. But, you know, the standard stuff that we all right. think, right? And she, she just looked at me, and she said, uh, you do realize that all they're trying to do is make you happy. And I just shut up. <laughs> I was like, okay, you're 100% right. Yeah, a lot of times we don't see that. I mean, because we all live in our own heads. Because I didn't, I never, I... You know, as quote unquote as smart as I am, or as as intuitive as I am to people, I never, I never ever thought of it that way. Yeah. That my people around me, and I know this to be absolutely true, are just trying to make me happy. Right. You know, and and um, I just be quiet and just just let it go. Well, you have a, a psych. Your wife is a psychiatrist. So that's got to be helpful, right? Yeah, there, right? It's, uh, and and unhelpful. But the the fact that you were just quiet and absorbed that says a lot about you as a person too. Because there's a lot of people that we know that boy, you could just hit them over the head with that all day long, and it would just fall on deaf ears. You yeah. know, those are the going back to the mentoring. Those are the people that I don't really want as my mentors. I want people who can make a mistake and then learn from it, or and admit it right and then go okay yeah we made a wrong direction here because we all do but how do we re how do we get back on course um the last thing i've got would be implementation and you are a great implementer <laughs> i think i'm a, a a pretty good implementer when you when you learn something well then do something with it so if you spend the time to go to the course to figure out well then go back to the office and make it happen you know uh if you're if you're going to invest in yourself or you're going to invest in your practice or whatever if you never actually implement what you learn it's all waste so implementation especially on the professional level i think is just super important that's one of the things that we have have tried very hard to do is implement what we learn and make it implementation work. is also about intention sometimes yeah you know, um, I'm going to use an example. Uh, Dr. Kevin Fryer came to our sleep apnea program a couple of weeks ago. And uh, what one thing that they do unbelievably well in their practice is he brought two team members with him. And they scheduled some time on Wednesday, the week they got back, mm -hmm. where him and the two team members that went would sit down and present what they learned to the rest of the team and what the action steps were to make this happen. And too often we go to CE classes and we don't schedule the implementation time. Right. Whether that's time during the CE to sit down and write down, okay, now listen, I've learned this. Now what do I got to do? Just one, two, three, four, five to make it happen. And then scheduling the time, in my opinion, pre-scheduling the time in the office to be able to, to, be able to review this with your team and part of that, and to me, what's really important about that is you pre-review it yourself, mm -hmm. so you're not going into it having a dem democratic discussion, but you're having, a, hey, we're going to be doing this. Let's talk through how we're going to make this happen. Right. You know, and I, I think I don't think we do enough of that. And sometimes we don't do enough of re reality check of, hey, I want to do full arch implants. Well, great, okay, and I want to do X number per year. Well, my practice only supports three or four per year. Right. Now, what am I going to do to get the other 20 I want, right? Right. You know, and, and, and that's, part of, that's part of being realistic about implementation as well. 
if you've taken sleep apnea training to only get back to your practice and not be able to reap the benefits, then you need to listen to this message. I've teamed up with Dr. Aaron Elliott, and we provide a level one sleep training that's focused on implementation. It's not focused on all the science. It's not focused on all the things that could possibly go wrong or go right. It's focused on how do I get my team on board and how do I make this a part of my practice that's not complicated. So if you're looking for sleep apnea training that just gets you started, that's down to business, that's not full of any fluff, then you need to take a level one implementation program. You can find out more by visiting www.3d-dentists.com and look for our sleep apnea implementation program. We look forward to seeing you at a seminar soon. Hey, podcast family, T-Bone here. Are you a dentist looking to elevate your practice and profits? Then pay close attention. Introducing the 3D Business Mastermind, the dental business coaching program designed for dentists who want to see real results. I've walked the path of practice ownership for nearly 25 years. I know your challenges. I felt your pain. This is your opportunity to overcome the chaos, the busyness, and the financial frustrations of owning a dental practice. Imagine a dental practice where your appointment book is highly productive, doing the dentistry you enjoy, your team is self-motivated, and your profits keep climbing. That's what the 3D Business Mastermind is all about. In this exclusive mastermind, you'll join a league of ambitious dentists driven to elevate their practices. You'll gain access to proven strategies, personalized coaching, and a community that understands your journey. So if you're ready to supercharge your dental practice and enjoy the success you deserve, visit www.3d-dentists.com and take the first step towards a brighter future in dentistry by filling out the 3D Business Mastermind application. Now, let's get to this week's episode.